I'm Stephanie, and I love really good black coffee. I'm Karen, and I love getting tattooed. I'm Jean, and I love old abandoned buildings. I'm Jenna, and I love a good mariachi breakup song. Welcome to the Working Folk Podcast, where we talk about work, life, and everything in between. And the everything in between today we are going to talk about is politics. <laughs> That'll be easy, Don't right? Don't go changing your dials. This will be, be super easy. <laughs> We're not lighthearted. giving you our opinions. Nope. 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 Not that kind of politics. We're going to talk about office politics. We are going to talk about how to talk about regular politics in the office. But we're not going to talk about opinionated politics. But we do have big opinions. <laughs> we do. You can we ask do. us if you know us in real life. <laughs> but we're not going to talk about it here. Because Karen doesn't like conflict. <laughs> me either. <laughs> and by Karen, I mean me. That's me, Karen, saying that. <laughs> it's so funny because the four of us, even though we agree a ton on politics, there's still always conflict. We just can't. Well, that's because it's all so nuanced. And mm-hmm. that's what makes mm-hmm. it so difficult to have the conversations because it is not black and white. There is just so much in between and like so much gray say. area mm-hmm. it's always a spectrum it's a spectrum yeah <laughs> i'm gonna get that shit tattooed on me it's a spectrum it's a spectrum <laughs> and so everyone's gonna be like oh you're autistic i'm be like yeah we all are bitches <laughs> that's my theory <laughs> i like your response thanks i would never say that because don't like conflict but in my head that's what i would say so by politics office politics what do you mean can you explain What I mean when I say it is like, you know, hierarchy stuff. Is it always, you know, did somebody get the promotion because they fully deserve it and they're the most qualified or did they get it because they're buddy buddy with the person giving the promotion? That's kind of what I'm talking about when I'm talking about office politics. Just the way that sometimes it may seem like people are getting ahead possibly not on their qualifications but on like their ability to rub elbows with the right people at the right time yeah and sometimes it's not even a promotion it's right um, that's somebody like not getting disciplined in an area that somebody else would get disciplined in, or mm-hmm. somebody um yeah not being reprimanded or somebody um just being people uh, supervisor being more lenient with someone rather than someone else and or pay yeah. discrepancies in pay wa- wages and if someone gets more because they are a different mm-hmm. sex or if they went to a different college and they're alum with the sta- at the same college as their boss or whatever or just went to college versus didn't mm-hmm. go to college there's you know differences yeah. there but is it truly uh, Ability I hate to use the word fair, but like fair, is it fair? Is the person who didn't go to college truly not worth the same pay rate as the person who did go to college? Like, Which I have my opinions on that. Well, <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about it. <laughs> Do you want to hear mine right now? Sure. So when I was hiring at um, 
when I worked when I was in management at a financial institution. Um, we hired this person that had a degree, and they had a degree in something that we thought would be awesome and that would correlate to their to their job. It turns out that this person took a course in college on interviewing and resume writing. So he killed his interview and his <laughs> resume. Killed it. You put him in the job. He sucked. <laughs> he was so bad. And I would have to hold his hand through everything. And like a month into it, he couldn't even talk to anyone. Uh... So I had to do all of the talking for him, which in a customer service position, you kind of have to be able to talk to people. And so I think he quickly realized that it was not the right position for him. Um, but because he had this degree and he had taken all of these classes, he thought, I'm going to rock it and I'm going to kill it. And you guys should be really impressed with me. Mm-mm. There were people that we hired that did not have a degree, didn't go to college, not even a single day, and they freaking killed the job. Uh, so I don't think that a college degree in every position is necessary. If you're going to be a doctor, you need a degree, obviously. <laughs> yeah. But in some positions, it's not going to make you a better candidate. Yeah. I think that's valid for mm -hmm. sure. Like in some in yeah. others it does yeah does anybody have any experiences or know of a story with you know maybe somebody i'm just keeping i keep thinking about the promotion thing i'll just tell a story because i'm asking the question and it makes sense to me i'm thinking about the promotion thing because i know someone intimately who works for a huge organization who is very qualified to move up in the ranks and uh, it's Mark. Okay. It's Mark. It's <laughs> <laughs> he, I've said it before. He works in the prison. He's a Lieutenant. So he has, he has ranked up. He has, you know, gone, he's been there for 16 years. So, you know, whatever. Um, but when he has applied for every promotion he's applied for through his 16 years, he has, um, I don't think he's ever gotten it the first time and almost every time that he gets denied a promotion, um, he comes back to me and tells me about, Oh, so-and-so got it, but you know, they're really good buddies with the warden. So it makes sense. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I'm always like super offended by this. I'm always like, what the crap? You work so hard. You are. So and I mean, I'm biased, obviously. I'm not at his work, but I know how much he puts his heart and his soul into it. Um, and it's just over and over and over. I hear about people getting promotions that, you know, he's aware of their job he's aware of what they've done their job history their you know what what's the word I'm looking for their performance their job performance and he even if it's not even him that he thinks should get the promotion it's definitely not that guy or that per girl you know and it oftentimes comes down to who's buddy buddies with somebody else and 
I hate that. Yeah, that <laughs> sucks. I hate it. To me, it's like another form of nepotism. Like I don't, I don't like when people get a job or get a promotion based on what, who they know if they're not also qualified. Mm-hmm. And also then it adds so many messed up dynamics to it, right? So you promote the person who you're closest with. And now you're the boss of the person you're, you're like in, if you're the boss who hired them, now you're working hand in hand with somebody that you have a relationship with. And that makes it so it's just a lot more complicated than a work relationship without an outside relationship. Mm-hmm. So it just complicates it rather than it. So it's not fair in the first place. And then it's worse in the second place. Yeah. Like I'm all for it if somebody's actually qualified and if they go through the process and they, you know, like even the nepotism thing, like I worked for a company that there were two sisters that worked in the same department. I didn't even know they were sisters for like a long time working with them because they didn't like act like it. They had different last names because one of them's married, but like they didn't act like it. They didn't act, you know, like they were both very qualified for their positions they were both very good at what they did. It didn't seem like, oh, she got hired because she's so-and-so's sister. So, like, I don't have a problem with that. But when somebody isn't qualified or doesn't, you know, they're hired and then their performance isn't good, mm-hmm. now you've got that dynamic. Like you're saying, Jean, that the dynamic's weird because, like, oh, I hired this person because they're from my golf club and I thought they'd be great but they're not now I have to fire them and what's that going to do in my relationship so mm-hmm. man it's going to throw my golf club <laughs> issues all right oh, tea no. time is going to be real awkward be so bro. awkward I actually had that scenario come up for me with a golf club my, no <laughs> <laughs> it was my roommate I was thinking country club I just said golf club because I couldn't think of the word fast <laughs> enough so country club is actually what I meant but they do golf there so well, when I worked at a coffee shop, uh, my roommate also worked at the coffee shop with me, and then I got promoted to assistant manager, and that was one thing that I brought up when the promotion happened, is this is my roommate. I, I don't want to be in the conversation if my roommate needs to be disciplined, because when we started working here together, I wasn't her boss. And now I'm going to be, which is going to bleed into my personal life. And so that is something that I don't want to happen. And so I don't want to have to discipline her or fire her or do whatever. I, I mean, when it comes to her raises, I don't want to know how much she's getting paid just because... That's not not my place as a roommate, which ended up not happening. We had to f- let this person go, <laughs> and I was there. I was, well, it was interesting. Yeah, it was tough being in that situation. Those relationships, when they get complicated like that, sucks. Because when I got home from work after she was let go. Yikes. Well, we were... Um, in our early, early 20s. So we opened up some alcohol and drank together and mm-hmm. talked it through. So she didn't hold it against you. It, no. It worked out okay. Yeah. Because but Stephanie was mature about it. Yeah. Yeah. 
And luckily it only, it happened like the first few months of me being in that position. Um, and so, man, I can't imagine if it had gone on any longer. We had a few times, um, where, um, a store manager at the business I managed would hire a sibling of somebody who worked there. And I was like, stop doing that. You guys <laughs> like adult siblings, just, man, so rarely interact like normal humans. <laughs> like you do not act like yourself around your siblings. You act like your sibling self around your siblings. And we had one pair of siblings that were phenomenal. They were both such hard workers and so great. But several other times where I was like, we just have to have a rule not to do this just because this one exception to the rule exists. <laughs> just, just please don't hire siblings. Uh, do you have any example is this does the office politics happen in schools jenna well i want to go back to what you first talked oh, about oh yeah yeah like being hired oh. by what you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's the only way i've ever been hired mm-hmm. oh good um my first teaching position i was teaching with my old spanish teacher she loved me <laughs> um when i got the job here my old principal is principal of the number one school in the state so it was like all about who I knew. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if my name would come to the top without who I knew mm-hmm. being. Yeah. And so it it is like, it's that mixed bag. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, like I didn't realize I had so much network because that was just who I was around. Like, yeah, it was just natural. And then I didn't realize I had actually made some really great connections doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I feel like there was so much dumb luck, I think, when it comes to having networking. Like, you might have been on the, the right plane ride and met the guy who's willing to invest in whatever idea you gave him. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like there's so much dumb luck involved in that that it seems so freaking unfair. Oh, I that's I 100% have agreed with the statement it's not what you know it's who you know yeah a million times over mm-hmm. my problem is when who you know gets you someplace but then you can't back it up with what you know yeah mm-hmm. that's when I have a problem like yeah. you're an excellent teacher mm-hmm. so who you know gets you in the door but what you know keeps you there True. Yeah. and when who you know gets you in the door but what you know is jack shit when the who you know isn't willing to be an adult about Mm -hmm. it or be mature about it or be good management about it. And you keep them there, even though they are not good at their job, good at their job. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. I mean, cause I would say, Mm -hmm. I would say the same exact thing. Every job I've ever had, I can honestly say minus the very first job I got right out of college. That was the, that was the only job that I ever had that I didn't know somebody going in every job I've ever had my entire life. I've known somebody that said, Hey, you want to come do this? Mine? Sorry. I no, you're good. You. No, no, no. I was done. I just don't finish my sentences sometimes. <laughs> my Period. job, I got my job because of who I know, my current job. Mm-hmm. So I know someone in my office. Um, I know their wife, and I actually called their wife, and I said, hey, I'm looking at moving companies. Does so-and-so like where they're working? And what do they like about it? And so I kind of brought it up to, to their wife. And I interviewed her to get an honest opinion on it. Mm. And then I called him 
But I think she had already called him and said, hey, this person is looking at moving and probably, I'm saying probably, maybe she didn't, but called and said, hey, this person is looking. I've worked with her in the past. Give her an interview. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I got an interview and my boss said, we weren't looking to hire anyone, but this person said that you were good and this person said that you were good. And because they said you were good, we took an interview with you. And then they hired me. My husband is in the military. And so he's dealt with the good old boy system a lot in his life. And uh, yeah, he has a story about it almost every single day. Um, There's a lot of just overlap and promotions and all that sort of thing. So one of the things that he has always said is, I hate the good old boy system until it works for me. (laughs) Yeah. You hate the good old boy system until you're part of it. Yeah. You hate the good old boy system until it benefits you. Yep. Mm -hmm. And we're, I mean, we're all in that boat. So I think awareness is probably the big key. Like, am I benefiting from the good old boy system? Cool. I better make sure I back that up. And then am I, am I being discriminated against because of the good old boy system? And if so, then how do I work in a world where there's always going to be this system. I think the difference is when someone is hired or promoted, yeah, I might get an interview because I know someone, but if someone else is better than me, they should get the job. Absolutely. And when that doesn't happen, when you get the job because you know someone, even though someone else is better than you, I think that's when you're benefiting from the good old boy system. Mm -hmm. I don't think that using your network and using the relationships that you've built as a part of the good old boy system, because those people know you and trust you, and you would probably do the same thing, hire someone to babysit your kids that you trust, Mm -hmm. versus someone that's been a nanny for 10 years but you don't know them Mm -hmm. so I think that just because you have a foot in because you know someone it doesn't mean it's the good old boy system well and how can we work within it like in terms of okay so the good old boy system benefited me I got this job or I got this promotion and I know it you know potentially happened because I did know somebody but I'm gonna work hard and prove myself Mm -hmm. also the other side of that is the humility of knowing that probably also hurt somebody else mm-hmm. who yeah. is, I mean, I'm, I guess this is in particular with promotions. You can't really do anything about it when it's a hiring because you don't know who else was applying for the job. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times in promotions, if you've worked with them, you probably do know. So having the humility to go back to the other people who applied and say like, Hey, I know I got this job but we're still cool and I'm going to work with you and, you know, I want to prove that I'm worthy of it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you see anything from me that I can improve on in this position, even though now I'm promoted and maybe we're not on the same level anymore professionally, I still respect you. I still want to know how, you know, how I can basically earn what I just got. Yeah. I don't know, like, obviously without saying it like that to people, because then that would be saying, like, I got this job and I don't deserve it. I don't think that's the point. But like, (laughs) just recognizing, like, that there are people around you that are going to potentially feel uh, mistreated. Mm -hmm. 
And I think on the other side, if you applied for a promotion and you don't get it, go to the person who who you interviewed with and say, I didn't get this job, but the next time it comes around, I want it. And what can I do right now to make myself better so that my likelihood of getting it is a little bit more or like what are your reasons for not hiring me for this position so that I can work on those that's huge and that is Mm -hmm. something that Mark has done Mm -hmm. when he's not gotten a promotion and then he's been able to work on it and then get it you know the next time so yeah I think I'm just really biased for him because I see how much he cares and Mm -hmm. how much I know how hard he works for something. Mm -hmm. So when he doesn't get it, I'm always just like, what? Why? How did that happen? (laughs) But, you know, eventually he gets it. I also think this is another office politics thing that sometimes he doesn't get it, even though he is deserving of it, because Mark goes above and beyond what he is, Mm -hmm. what his role is at work. And I think sometimes when an employer, a huge, you know, I keep wanting to say corporate, it's not corporate, it's state run, but, you know, a huge machine, a well-oiled machine sees like, oh, this person works their tail off and does the, a lot of the job requirements of the position above them, but they're perfectly content doing the job that they're doing. Why should we promote them? Right. Why would we pay them more? Right. And so I get mad at him all the time. I'm like, you got to do less. Mm -hmm. Quit working so hard. Quit doing the job of the position above you. Mm -hmm. It's not worth it. They're not going to hire, you know, they're not going to promote you because you're willing to do the work Mm -hmm. as whatever rank you're at. It's a double-edged sword because people might see you doing it and promote you because of it. Or you might not get promoted because... When I was in management, we would always look at who is taking that leadership position without being given it. So whoever's taking the steps to improve themselves on their own without us making them, uh, we were always really impressed. And those were the ones that we would would promote. So in if I were Mark's <laughs> boss, <laughs> I would see that as initiative and yeah. give him a pay raise. So tell him all give it more money yeah well that's the he works for the state so they don't get to do pay raises like that they don't get to do like performance-based pay raises his is definitely the promotion thing and honestly at this point he's really super happy with where he is he could promote further but he enjoys the position he's in like he enjoys the interaction with staff that he has if he were to promote higher it'd be a lot more like just office admin stuff and he doesn't really want it so I'll stop defending his honor yeah, as, <laughs> as another state worker yeah my my salary is actually public record guys mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you can and I see exactly what my colleagues make if I know what degree they have or how many years of experience I know exactly where they are too um, I kind of think it should be that way <laughs> because the thought my thought is the pay will be more even and you can know what other people are getting paid for. So you know what to ask. So I was going to add that there are merit pay things that come out every once in a while. Depends on the policy makers of that year. Mm -hmm. So merit pay, Mm -hmm. which is so strange to add to what we do because we can't control 90% of kids lives, but Mm -hmm. 
if they do well on tests, the teacher might get a bonus. Depending on the school district and, you know, all those things, they can they can do what they want with that kind of stuff. Um, and so, yeah, a lot of that is the good old boy crowd that mm-hmm. can get those promotions. Um, as someone who teaches an elective, I, you know, I basically just go, ah, it's not going to come to me. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing I teach ends up on a state test. So, um, and so much of the, the, the stuff that's really great does not end up on a test. So, um, there is a little bit of that mm-hmm. when it comes to a good old boy, you know, it's whatever administration wants to look at. Some administrators are totally like the qualitative. They're like, I see how much relationship you have. And others are quantitative. They're like, you've had, you know, six kids drop this month. And you're like, oh, all right. I did save one kid from suicide. The help, like, like you know, like, you, <laughs> oh how do gosh. you, how do you like help? How do you even you know, say you're not doing such a great job. I don't know. It just, it, it's just really, really such a, an interesting way. Cause there's no product. We're not building something together. We're not just the future. No big deal. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and so there is, there still is office politics. Um, men still make more than women because they take, they take coaching positions. So this is one thing that doesn't get spoken of enough in a school. So if you're in a coaching position, you'll get, you know, obviously coaching pay, but say you're on a committee that helps promote like, um, relationship among the teachers. So like you're on a birthday party committee and you get people to bring stuff. That's usually totally taken over by women and women are the ones who are running it and you don't get paid extra for like bringing in cupcakes and things. And so there's a lot of these like, um, these tasks that really make a school and you know, the community really great, but they're never paid and they're rarely given any significant, um, recognition. Yeah. And so, but somehow if you're on some kind of leadership committee, you can, but if you have a different type of thing, then then it's not seen as valuable. Um, and I've, I've seen that over and over again, where women will take on these tasks for un, you know unpaid, whereas the, whatever tasks men tend to take on are always paid. You know, maybe not be birthday cakes, but I'm thinking of um, I there's one fabulous teacher I worked with years ago who would uh, a couple of kids didn't have really great parents at home mom was in jail and so he would bring his pants to her and she would sew them up because she was a she was the 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 home ec it's not home ec but she was a home ec teacher and so she would hem his clothes family consumer science yes that's what it is (laughs) facts it's a facts teacher family consumer science it's not home ec anymore no it's not but it was teen living when we were kids yes, too, but I, I always that. think of home ec. And so she would, she would take on these kids Aww. and she would, um, help them. I mean, but there's no pay for that. Yeah. I'm thinking of like at Ruby's school, there's a drama club mm-hmm. and a sewing club. Like mm-hmm. after school, their teacher ran their things that they're doing that are building community that yeah. are, you know, helping these kids in strengths that they have that maybe aren't athletic, but they're important. And those are not paid positions. Those are teachers volunteering. The drama club teacher is a science teacher. And she knows nothing about drama. And it's super cute. Because 
the kids basically run it, but but the football coach gets paid. But the paid. football coach gets paid and mm-hmm. definitely knows football. Like they wouldn't have somebody coaching football that doesn't know anything about football because football is important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sorry. and that, that's a huge <laughs> bit of politics too. Is that sometimes they will hire a teacher just because they can coach. Oh my gosh. And it doesn't mean like that they're actually really great teachers. Oh my gosh, I was just having this conversation yesterday with a friend about how much sadness I have for the fact that my in high school, my government teacher was a football coach and in government class we watched football films. My economics teacher was the basketball men's basketball and golf teacher and I had him spring semester (laughs) so I literally had a sub for econ my entire Mm -hmm. I think it was junior year I did econ um and there was one other one our health teacher was the basketball coach yeah but they're like hired as a coach and then they teach on the side and I have such a problem with that that is not what school is for I had kind of a different experience my freshman uh science teacher he was a good coach and he was a good teacher. Mm-hmm. Like he had that, like really care about you and get you to understand what he was trying to teach. Like he was so good. And so he taught in our tiny town for one year mm. <laughs> because he got, you know, he could get paid so much more in a different town. So our small school, um, you know, our low income community couldn't keep a good teacher or a good coach <laughs> because it was just too much. Um, but he was a phenomenal teacher. Um, and I don't think they don't exist. Right. For sure. Like, ba- yeah. I, mean, I didn't mean to make it sound like that. No, it's not just at all. That, that's so disappointing to me now looking back. Right. That the classes that as a 41 year old, I wish that I knew more about government right. and econ. Right. Kind of important. <laughs> were the ones that like, well, the teachers that taught those classes were not in high school. Like, it's like the thing everybody has to take and we don't realize. I think if. I had like one of my best friends is a junior and senior government teacher at a different high school. And I think if she taught my class, I would know so much more about government. government And I feel like the quality of education has dramatically increased. Hmm. I think the quality education we had, there wasn't a whole lot of checks and balances. There wasn't like a, a, like a curriculum that was across the board. I feel like most of my teachers were just like, I've always taught it this way since the '60s. Doesn't mean it's actually going to be beneficial, right. but we're gonna we're just gonna keep doing it. Well, I mean, keep in mind, I went to a private school. That's true. I had, you know, there was no state, you know, regulation on anything. Yes, there were teachers that were good coaches. Mm. Oh, I remember the other one I was thinking of. It was the math teacher, the only teacher I ever had, like actual, like. I would have physically fought her. We did not get along. Mm-hmm. She was a cheerleading coach <laughs> and not very smart. Mm-hmm. And I could have taught that math class better than her. And I did teach it to my friends, Charlie and Angel. Shout out Charlie, who's now a doctor because I taught him algebra two because <laughs> the cheerleading coach was not smart enough to do it. Anyway, I think, I think as far as politics go, as far as being in schools, Oh, um, it's really about the actual politics is really what is always driving the schools is policies that come in. And that's usually some of the hardest things. And I think we want to I want to talk about how there are some things as teachers we never 
well, not we never, but we don't have a voice a lot of the time, especially in a right to work state, that if a policy comes in and it's not beneficial to children, we generally don't push back that much because you just can't because your job is, is dependable. It's, it's dependable, but you can't also expendable. Yeah. You're expendable. Mm -hmm. Um, but kind of not there's teacher shortage. Like no one right now really wants to take over my job. Um, but you just can't speak out. And that's, that's also another form of politics. I think too, is that not being able to speak when there's injustice. Well, and also all of the, I mean, politics, voting, people vote on tax levies. They vote on what those tax levies go to, which is a direct correlation to you. (laughs) Yeah, but I I don't make those decisions on what building needs to be built. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, that's all way above my pay grade. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, Yeah, but that affects the consequences of it. That affects your daily life. It does. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But it just doesn't come from... Mm-hmm. the bottom it doesn't come from the baseline it comes from usually desperation those levies are so incredibly necessary so that's kind of a good transition because we didn't we don't want to talk like about politics like what mm-hmm. we agree with what we don't agree with necessarily but we do want to talk about like how do you talk about i mean especially right now it's january 2021 we don't necessarily want to you know go into what is happening in current politics right now but we want to talk about how do you talk about i mean it is something that everybody is talking about we don't really have water cooler conversations these days because most of us are working distant or you know keeping to our own space when we do have the water cooler conversations aren't having aren't happening as much as what you're saying just because we're not we're not rubbing shoulders yeah, walking across the hallway much, with each other not as much mm-hmm. but in general they you know they do or we have conversations privately with coworkers or whatever is it possible to talk about politics to have differing opinions about politics and keep that in a work relationship it's probably going to come up in different ways does anybody have any like good tips for how to talk about it or how to shut it down if you don't want to talk about it maybe that's the direction this conversation needs to go like if somebody makes an assumption about your politics and talks to you in a way that they think you're gonna mm-hmm. just jump in on and be excited about how do you if you don't want to talk about it or you don't agree how do you like okay so i have a really good suggestion okay kick him in the balls and run away run away do not do that <laughs> might lose your job oh yep. and you the will point probably is get to, i might deal have with to it without losing your job. this before i start actually being in the workforce again <laughs> so i have clients that open up to me all of the time about why they're moving to idaho Mm. So when I'm helping people get mortgages, they move here. Some people will move here from out of state, from one political climate and search for a different political climate. And they tell me, I'm getting away from this one to come over here. And no matter what it is, I don't go into depth on it, whether I agree with them or I do not. I have a hard personal line, personal boundary that I will not cross with my clients unless we are already friends beforehand. But if we are client mortgage lender, 
I just nod my head and smile and say, we're excited to have you here. <laughs> and Deflect, deflect, mm-hmm, deflect. Mm-hmm. And I will just kind of change the subject so that I don't have to talk about it because I don't want to talk about it with them. <laughs> and I don't want that relationship. So I set pretty clear boundaries. And at work, I set pretty clear boundaries too when someone talks about a certain president that they love, whether it's a current or a past president, um, I will just say, I'm so glad you like them because my work is my work and my politics are my politics and I personally don't want them blended. So I shut it down pretty quick. Hmm. You, it sounds like you could say that exact thing. Mm-hmm. My work's my work, my politics are my politics and I don't want them blended. Yeah. See, I'm like, let's blend it. (laughs) (laughs) I try to figure out how I can, I I think especially because the things that I get passionate about are like so close to my heart. Like the reason I care about this particular political thing is because it directly affects me or someone I love. And so when people want to be like, yeah, that's politics. We can't talk about I'm like, is it politics or is it my brother? Is it politics or is it my child? Like, so, so many things that are politics are also just so personal. So it comes up and I'm saying this in, you know, tongue in cheek because I am not in a professional work environment right now. Um, I don't have to deal with this on a day-to-day basis. And when I was in a work environment, um, it just wasn't something that was an issue in our particular industry. So, um, so I can say that, but I do, I mean, just in interactions in professional interactions in my life I do like to feel it out I do like to see if the person wants to talk about it I do I like to like push it a little bit because especially when there's I I find it really hard in this season of our okay not hard I I find it very um fake to not talk about things if you're having a genuine interaction with somebody right now like I mean, we had very recently was the January 6th Capitol thing that happened. How do you not talk about something like that with everyone you see for the next four days? <laughs> you know, it's like so. But I mean, I, I guess that's that's the question, because in Jenna's profession, she can't go in and tell her seventh graders what she feels about that. And so um, so do you just avoid it completely? I don't talk about politics with my students unless I ask them questions then I then I usually go what do you think Mm -hmm. what do you see um I ask them the questions um because they're actually quite astute they see what's going on you ask them questions about like society Mm -hmm. not Mm -hmm. like what do you think about this presidential candidate I brought this up to you when it happened but my we're doing online school right now my son was sitting near me and I heard his teacher say to him um they were talking about culture and family culture and stuff like that. And so she asked, well, what's your family politics? What, you know, uh, what party do they belong to? What is their belief? And I was like, so offended by that because I feel like, like it's absolutely acceptable to talk about cultural differences and even talk about like what different parties believe about different things in culture, but to ask specifically what a person's, a student's family believed um, just felt like, exactly the opposite of what we're talking about here like that was like it felt like it was stepping way over a line well especially with the what you seventh have seventh graders, graders yeah. who don't even they don't even know what like he, he literally turned to me and said 
what party are you? Right. And I said, neither. <laughs> and he was like, don't answer that question. And, and he just looked at me like, oh my God, you have to tell me something. I'm going to be in trouble if I don't answer. Yeah, that's yeah. that draws a line these days. I would say 10 years ago, it probably didn't really matter. Like, mm-hmm. it, I think really, it did. But I, I grew up in a very, very political house. Even, I mean... Growing up, we watched politics and well, we I, talked about I it. I don't think it really mattered as far as the students in your class. It, 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 at least where I was before. Say where I was before six, seven years ago. It was it was not something that people had contentions about. They're like, oh, they're just this leaning and that leaning. Like, but now people will assume some big things about you mm-hmm. that didn't that they would probably not beforehand. Mm-hmm. And so. Um, I stay completely away from it. Um, if, if a colleague brings up something that's fairly political, I have a hard time not saying stuff. And usually it's a pretty good devil's advocate. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> especially no matter what you actually believe you want to hear. I, I really just, why like, they believe what I'm they always believe. challenging whatever. I had a colleague say, Oh, these kids, they're just so lazy. This is why like people stay on welfare. And I'm like, Oh, so while you're still a teacher, you get those three months off is like, you get to be lazy. And she was like, <laughs> and she oh, eyes got wide. I'm like, you got to think about what you're saying. That's People why say it about us and it infuriates us, right? Like That's yeah. why I nip it in the bud. Because I learned at a very young age, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. And if I don't like what someone has to say, I won't be nice. Yeah. And so I really have learned how to bite my tongue because I want to say what you say but worse (laughs) drop a few f-bombs in there well i usually i can usually drop it towards the person Mm -hmm. i can actually i mean i think that's maybe a form of form of judo yeah because i take the energy towards them and i'm like yeah purple judo and i'm like so what about this thing that you did and they're like shut up Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know it's like because we can all be so hypocritical yeah and i if you want to put an entire population wherever you are and you want to have like this blanket statement, let me tell you a blanket statement about yourself mm-hmm. and then see how that feels. Mm-hmm. Another side of that, I was reading on a different subject and they were talking about the, the way people will use humor. Like, Oh, it was just a joke. It was just a joke. And when they do that, never laugh and always ask them, Oh, what was, what, what makes that funny? Like, make them explain why <laughs> mm-hmm. something they said that was offensive is funny, and it will make them, like, backtrack and, like, really realize, oh, I can't actually justify explaining why that was funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was on, it was actually on a t- completely different subject, but I think it applies to this as well, like, because sometimes people will say, like, oh, it's just a joke. I'm just joking. Like, burr, burr, burr. But are you really? But, like, are you really? And if you are, then explain it to me, because I don't get it. Like, just act dumb when mm-hmm. they say it's a joke. And just be like, I don't get it. What's funny? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I really want to try that. Really bad. <laughs> I... Working at that financial institution, everything was so tracked like when I did interviews we would have specific questions that we would have to ask and we could not veer off like I couldn't ask about someone's family because that could be discrimination oh you have five kids how are you going to show for work so we couldn't ask about family we couldn't ask about specific things and so all of our interview notes we had to send into HR 
And so I think that that is why, I mean, that kind of environment is why I nip every political conversation in the bud is because I was trained. We don't talk about it because we want, we want everyone to feel safe Mm -hmm. in this work environment, whether we're talking about, I don't know, tax levies, or if we're talking about the election or, or whatever it is. We just didn't talk about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've never been in a situation where I had to practice that before. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's uh, that's a, a learned yeah. trait, especially for passionate personalities like you and I stuff. I am very passionate. And so it took a lot of training, <laughs> a lot of personal thought and uh, time and effort into not having these conversations but because of that I was able to create relationships with maybe people who thought completely differently than me Um, and then we soon became friends and then later down the line we could have those conversations outside of the work environment where we did feel safe enough to open up and talk about it because we already trusted each other in the work environment I think that's a really I mean, it's a skill Mm -hmm. to be able to have that mental. I mean, I feel the same way. I'm just like, ah, like mama bear comes out. But, um, but being able to have that capacity of like, good for you. Like when someone comes up to you and goes two and two is five, you're like, good job. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Works for you. You know, words. Good job. (laughs) Good for you. You know, but like you, there's, there's a, there's a mental strength that comes from not making everything into a conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, because I work with middle schoolers. Do you know how many times they poke me? Yeah. Like, let's talk about the thing that's going to make oh, you riled my up. God, I have two at my house uh-huh. and I can't fathom. I have 156 ugh. of them. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have one. I love I them. Mm-hmm. I love that age, but also, yeah, that poking, man. Poking uh, the bear. things, a poke. Yes. And so you just, you just learn to take that and be like, okay, we're moving on. And I think I, I work with a population that their criticism is like, you're 12. Mm. I don't, I mm-mm. like, it's not going to make me, you're not going to ruffle my feathers because no, it just doesn't happen. And Oh, as much as, as much as sometimes the kids walk in and they say the stupidest thing that they heard from uncle, you know, drunk uncle last night, say something about some political thing. I'm just like, okay. And then we move on. Moving on. Because I don't need to make it into a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some classroom management. Absolutely. Well, and they, they always poke around to see where your holes are. Mm-hmm. What is the thing that gets you on your tangent? Mm-hmm. What's the thing that gets you off balance a little bit that day? Coffee. Not getting coffee. (laughs) Right? Someone making fun of another kid. Making fun of the black kid in front of me. Making me so mad. Mm. Yep, that would do it for me. Yep. I'd come unhinged. I have tried so hard to not come unhinged at times. I'm like, you are not. That is not happening in front of me right now. Mm -hmm. And the mama bear comes out sometimes. And And that's okay. I got to let her go sometimes. Yeah. Gotta be wild. There are some times where you will have to raise your voice. Yeah. Um, because I think politics so many times has been so polite. Mm-hmm. 
And sometimes I think we're recognizing now that politeness is not good enough. Mm-hmm. You need to actually be, I don't know, I don't want to get too it political, like the- but there's times when you just need to put your foot down and be like, that's racist. You're done. Yeah. yeah. And that's there, okay. And that's not political. I think, I, I know. I don't Sometimes think, it still feels political, doesn't it? Right. Yeah. But by telling someone that is an inappropriate com- comment mm-hmm. or you need to leave until you can treat people better, please step out of this room or this office or please come back to this meeting when you can be kind. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's political. I think that that is keeping a safe work environment. True. I wonder if there's just this perfect storm, um, social media creeping up onto the scene when we'd all just gotten fed up with being polite, you know, like as a culture, because, um, you just think about like the waves in our history. This has always bothered me about our current political environment is everyone's like, this is insane. It's never been like this before. Everything's so volatile. And I'm like the sixties, um, I don't know, the Civil War, like there are so many other times in just our short history as a nation that things have been this bad. (laughs) You know, this isn't new. It's that we're not looking at it historically at all. And we're feeling very emotional about it and very um, like singled out. Like this is our our hill to die on. And it's like, we, we grew up in the eighties and nineties where it was don't talk politics or religion. I remember, I remember that was like, it was like beat into our heads. Like if you're going over to meet your boyfriend's parents, don't talk politics or religion. Like it was so every, uh, uh, sitcom had jokes about not talking about politics or religion, even though they were all talking about it, you know? So it was like so important to not talk about those things. And then when they, when um, social media erupted, it was just like, wow, now we have this platform where we can kind of say the things that we haven't been allowed to say. And it's bigger and more um, divisive because we are finally getting to let out all this pent up resentment that wasn't talked about for so long. I don't know. I feel like there's just trolls. (laughs) I feel like there's just trolls that are just like keyboard warriors. Like they would never say that in front of you, but they'll say it on a keyboard. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where maybe we could talk about in the workplace is like, no, you're not going to do that here. Like Mm -hmm. what you do at home on your keyboard is not going to happen in the the workforce because we all we all work in more diverse places than we've ever worked. Right. Like I'm working in a more diverse environment than I've ever worked in. And I want everyone to feel safe. Mm -hmm. All right, you guys, what do you do to decompress after a long work day? Mm, A potentially stressful political work day. Yeah. (laughs) A day where you had to brown bag it. Is that what you said in our last episode? Brown paper bag. Brown paper bag. Yeah. Yeah. I stress eat and watch TikToks. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be brutally honest there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely use uh, some self-medicating in the form of food, drinks, things, things. Yeah, and some trash TV. When I'm in my healthiest state, mm-hmm. I might actually pick up meditation and go for a walk. I was going to say, Jenna, you often go for a walk. You'll say like, I got to go for a walk. You like, just like get your head shaking. Like, oh my God, I got to. And then you just go for a walk. That's after I stress eight for quite a while. (laughs) (laughs) Work off those Cheetos. Yeah. (laughs) I like to cook. 
like with a recipe and cook a long meal because it gets me focused on a task in front of me and I can kind of let go of the day and think, okay, how many onions do I need? How many tablespoons of cumin? That kind of thing. And then you get to stress eat it after. And then I get to stress eat it and it's good (laughs) and I feel accomplished. Like I created this thing and usually when I do it, I'm drinking a glass of wine. (laughs) Therapy to talk about um, when you're feeling really high emotion to try to use that other side of your brain, you know, use the mathematical Mm -hmm. side of your brain. So it's like you're just doing that naturally. Yeah. My counselor used to tell me to think of five different colors that you see and say those five colors and then four different textures and say those four you know it was like do a countdown of some sort with something visual so that you're getting complete can't even think about what you were just thinking about because you're doing something that's very visual and logical and then you go back and think about the thing that you're thinking about is that what you do? Is that your answer to the no, question? I, no, not at all. <laughs> God, that would be so healthy. <laughs> when I'm in my healthiest. No, but I do do that with my kids. I yeah, do, you do, said do-do. 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 I'll often, when my kids are just uh, brown paper bagging, <laughs> I will uh, just say like, hey, all right, tell me five different colors that you can see. And then we'll kind of walk through that and then uh, revisit whatever it was they were upset. Or I'll redirect it and act like that other thing didn't happen because I don't want to deal with it anymore. Um, I like to play with yarn. It. I like to joke that I make lots of angry baby hats. <laughs> <laughs> Not for angry babies. <laughs> angry babies, just baby hats full of anger. Um, so I'll just like yank that yarn on my hook and just grit my teeth and get it all out. And then, you know, a few stitches in all of a sudden I'm like, oh, okay. Whew. I'm going to tangle up this string and untangle the tension inside of me. That's deep, yo. Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> Tangle up the string and untangle me. Wow. Ravel and unravel. Whoa. Mm. So deep. <laughs> That's so much better than getting drunk and watching Below Deck Mediterranean on Bravo. But is it? What? Below but Deck. Usually it's below Deck. Below Deck. It's a, it's a yachting. It's a reality show about a yachting crew. <laughs> and all their drama. How have you not heard about this? So there's I below swear deck, There's Below it. Deck Mediterranean and Below Deck Sailing. We have sailing definitely crew. talked about this. Yeah. Mm. Where have you been? Maybe I thought Below Deck was an innuendo. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they also all bang each other. So definitely, yeah. Thank you for listening, guys. Uh, this was a fun episode. Make sure to check us out on all of the socials. And if you have any comments, you can contact us on our website, workingfolkpodcast.com. Bye. Peace out. Bye.